Dad the Man, the guy who's living life the right way by loving and leading his family. World-class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. And today, I have one ask for you. If you are enjoying the show, if you learn anything today, if you enjoy today's episode, please do me a huge favor and help us to spread the word about the show. Whether you tell someone at work, text somebody, or share it on social media, I cannot thank you enough for your support. So, today's guest is none other than Heath Evans. Heath is a former NFL fullback. After a three-year career at Auburn University, he was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks as the first fullback off the board. He spent several years in New England under head coach Bill Belichick and quarterback Tom Brady before heading down to New Orleans where he became a Super Bowl champion alongside head coach Sean Payton and Drew Brees. After his playing days, Heath transitioned from the field to the booth where he worked as an analyst with NFL Network until 2017. Heath now spends a large portion of his time growing and pouring into the guys in his Built Ready community, which is a community of men fighting for more spiritually and physically by tackling the challenges of mastering manhood through biblical truth, challenging workouts, and the pursuit of peace, power, and purpose that God's word promises his men. You'll hear me mention this throughout the interview, but the thing I appreciate the most about Heath is his willingness and ability to seek, hear, and speak the truth. It takes an incredible level of courage and humility to tell the truths of his past and his vulnerabilities as a man of faith the way that he does, which is something that I greatly respect. But above it all, Heath is an incredible man, husband, and father who is ferocious and passionate in his faith, and I'm so blessed to have had the opportunity to chat with him. So here's my conversation with the Heath Evans. And we are live. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Walt, and I am your host. And today we have a very special guest. He is an Auburn alum, War Eagle, and uh, he's a Super Bowl champion. Uh, he's a husband, he's a father, and he's a very vocal and outspoken Christian leader. Um, he's a guy that I'm so excited to talk to today. Uh, the one and only Heath Evans. Now, Heath, before I let you jump in, uh, I know you are not going to enjoy this. I know how humble you are. Uh, but I, I am going to take a second and acknowledge you anyway here right off the bat. Um, so, you know, in this world that we live in today, in the society that we're in, we seem to have really lost the ability to hear the truth, tell the truth. And, you know, not, not interpretation of the truth, not a manipulated truth to sell something, not a truth um, that's been distorted to make someone feel warm and fuzzy and, and, or feel a certain way, but the truth as it is. And in following you, I feel like this is a superpower that you have almost to be able to, to seek the truth, to hear the truth and to tell the truth, you know, your willingness to do it and your ability to do it with strength and with courage and with grace uh, and with compassion. It's a, uh, it's a special ability. And what I really appreciate the most is how you apply that into speaking about your faith, talking about your relationship with God. You know, any, anybody that knows Heath Evans knows that he wears his, his, uh, his faith on his sleeve, that he's, he's not a closet Christian. He's very, out front with it and leads from the front. That's something I really appreciate you, but I never hear you speaking, you know, your interpretation of things or, or some manipulated or distorted, you know, out of context view of anything. 
I think you really do have a gift for seeking the truth, hearing the truth and telling the truth and pouring that back in uh, to all to all the men and women that you work with and that you come across. So with all that being said, just want to tell you that I appreciate you. I appreciate the way that you are leading from the front and taking ownership of of uh, of that lack of skill set that I think we have in society right now to be able to to hear and tell the truth. So with all that being said, Heath Evans, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thank you. Uh, I'm humbled and, and, and praise God that you said those things about me because the ability to see truth and uh, to even hear it is, I believe um, it's a gift from God. And um, so I appreciate the kind words, brother. Absolutely. All right. So I want to dive straight in today. I would love for you to kind of take us back Everybody is going to know, uh, probably be a little bit more familiar with, with what you've done professionally, but I'd love to, to hear you take us back to tell us about what Little Heath was like. Tell us about your childhood, uh, you know, how you were raised, family dynamic, uh, siblings, all that kind of stuff. Well, Little Heath was chubby, um, <laughs> <laughs> had big dreams. I grew up, uh, my dad is a Marine. My mom is just, um, just such an awesome, strong woman. Uh, she's the real strong woman that's never had to tell anybody she's strong just because she's so strong. It just, it glows out of her. Um, mm-hmm. Men respect her. Women respect her. Um, and my dad um, was the barbaric Marine. Mm-hmm. And then God got a hold of his life and he became um, the, the humble character of God that God creates in his men, but also the barbaric, strong, tough man that was going to uh, not only stand for truth, but but teach his son to do the same. Uh, I always tell people, my dad taught me to be the bully to the bully, kind of the Marine, like we're not going to pick the fight, but we're going to end the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've definitely taken that to uh, sinful levels at time, trying to defend people and in, in a good intention, kind of overstepping that where it becomes probably more about me and even more hateful. But that was kind of the little boy. I always had a knack to want to defend the little guy. Um, and I was always kind of trying to look out whether it was a missionary that came to church that didn't have any money. I'm like trying to round up money in the church to, to give the, to the guy to go buy food. And that's just a heart that God gave me. I can't take credit for it. I can definitely give credit to mom and dad for helping nurture that heart. But I was a kid with a dream, you know, four years old. I said, I wanted to play in the NFL by about 14. I had kind of devised a plan that I said, I wanted to play 10 years in the NFL. And then I wanted to go into national TV by God's grace, I was kind of able to fulfill that. I think looking back now at 42, the surprising part of my life story or so-called testimony is that for most of my adult life, I had myself fooled and I had the world fooled. I, I talked a good Christian game. I actually lived from the outside perspective a good Christian game most of my life. Um, there was a, a five-month season of complete um, sin and evil that, that cost me my first marriage through my own evil, sinful, bitter, just angry choices. Um, and then I had about another three-year period of time from 35 to 38 that God just kind of had to let me see who I really was. Um, and then he saved me. And so I finally feel like for the first time ever, there is a heart in me um, that matches all the words that are coming out of me. And I've learned so much more about God from you know 38 to 42 than I, than I ever did before. Um, and now I'm just trying to take whatever platform God gives me kind of like today to point people back to the truth, you know, cause there isn't more truth than what God says is truth. And, and, and that is what we all need. And, and most, most people hate the truth. And, and I, I once hated the truth. 
Yep. So you mentioned that you, you were, you were raised in a Christian household. You, like you said, you kind of felt like you were living, maybe not living a lie, but living out. People would assume that you had been saved, assume that you were living, you know, the way that a Christian man should. At what point, I guess, at what point, like, what was the story of, I guess, when you were saved, like, what, what would be your testimony of, Hey, this is when I came to Jesus. This is when I really felt saved. Yeah. Um, it's funny, you know, obviously being raised by a stud mom and dad, I was trained to be disciplined. Mm -hmm. And there are so many disciplines that as godly men, we have to put into place. Paul says to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There is a matter of fact, um, I have a, a Instagram post that says there's no such thing as a lazy Christian. This Bible is full of, of, of commands. For so long, those commands were burdensome, but I was so disciplined and strong God's gift that he had given me, that I was really good at marching those out. But my heart was far from God. I had great desires that were evil desires, but because I knew they were sin and because I had been raised well and raised tough, I knew how to self-deny things that I knew in my head were against God. But my heart was still far from God in the sense of loving him, like we see really the apostles and like we see Paul, after his conversion, just give his life to Christ. And so truth is, from about 35 to 38, um, every bit of my evil heart, I feel like God just kind of pulled back and exposed to me and exposed to the world. Now, a lot of the world still kind of looked at me as, oh, you're a good guy. You don't curse. You don't take advantage of people. You don't do this. You don't do that. You're, you're, you're honest. You're, you're this or that. But I was full of sexual immorality. I was full of lust. I was full of competitiveness that was not healthy. I was full of argumentative spirit. I was full of, of everything that you can basically look at in Galatians 5 that say are the, the fruit of the flesh. That was me. <laughs> I was divisive. Um, you could see it on TV at NFL Network. Um, and then Ephesians 2 um, happened in my life. I'm just going to pull my Bible open because I don't ever want to butcher the word of God, but, but I really just, if you let me read this, because this is, this is my testimony and, um, the, the beautiful part about the word of God is that it, it always does what it says it's going to do. Ephesians two verses one through 10. I'm not going to read it all. Um, but these verses is what God did to me. So Ephesians two verses one through 10 verse four says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Brother, I was dead in my sin. I, I, um, I always ask people, what can a dead man do? A dead man can't breathe. He can't see. He can't hear. He can't reach out for a life preserver. God just did a, a mighty great work in my heart. And he drug me out of a sinful, awful pit. And he saved my soul. Um, and he really has just set my heart ablaze um, to know him, to know God. Because the more I come to know God, the more I can't shut up about him. But more importantly, the, the more that my life just starts to naturally conform to the life of Christ, which, listen, Jesus was perfectly loving, but they killed him for a reason. His perfect love was kind of hate speech, and, and they did not like that standard. And so I'm just asking God daily to 
God, show me how to walk like your son. And then also give me the heart of your son to turn the other cheek when I suffer for the cause of Christ. Yeah, I, I want to first just point out, uh, just to give everybody a sense of how authentic what you just expressed is like that was unscripted. Um, I didn't tell you that I was going to ask that question. You just popped open the Bible that was sitting right next to you and knew exactly where uh, where to go in that. Um, <clears throat> so I just want to acknowledge that, first of all. And yeah. two, I mean, just I mean, the humility that you have, Heath, to to get to, you know, mid to late 30s, be in a position where from the outside looking in that, you know, anybody like anybody from the outside looking in would say, man, that's a man of God right there. He's doing he's doing great things. And for you to really, I guess, accept that humble yourself and, 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 you know, go to Jesus with it and go, go to God with it and talk about it and open your heart to it. And then just have that enlightening, um, experience to then now you stand on a platform where you are pouring this back into other men, which I think is so cool. And that testimony, I think has just really added power, um, that you use with, with your built ready program. And we're going to talk about that. I am going to put a quick pin in there and I want to take a quick pivot to, to peel back in the story a little bit. Um, so you were, you were, grew up, you played football at Auburn and I won't spend a whole lot of time here, but selfishly as an Auburn guy myself, I have to ask you, do you have any, um, do you have like a favorite moment or memory or story or anything that you could, uh, maybe tell us here about your time playing football at Auburn? My days on the planes were hard. You know, um, <laughs> most people realize, don't realize I only played three years. Yep. Uh, I, I left early for the pros, not because I wanted to, but kind of, cause I was forced out. Um, I signed under Terry Bowden. Yeah, I got Terry one year, had a great freshman uh, kind of year. You know, I played my, my first three games, scored a few touchdowns, broke my ankle uh, in the first quarter against LSU. I had just scored this long 54-yard touchdown in Jordan Hare, outran both the safeties from LSU, crowds going wild, you know, next play in, trying to catch a ball from Ben Leard. I slide and I snap my ankle. You know, I get up. And kind of like the way that I think the folklore kind of started there at Auburn was you know, I get up and jog off the field. It's not because I was super tough. My ankle was dangling in the wind and I'm like, just like looked like a Quasimodo running off the field. But I was in shock. I just had something running in my head in high school. Anytime I would lay on the ground too long, it wouldn't be my dad yelling and screaming. It would be my mom yelling and screaming. We go back and watch VHS tapes from high school. And if I lay on the ground more than one second, Candy Evans is in the background. Get up, Heath. You're not hurt. Let's go. What are you doing? It's all mom's voice. And so like, I have this thing. I'm like, get off. We don't get off, off the ground. We don't lay on the ground. Yada, yada. So I run from the LSU kind of side of the bench or field all the way to the other side. My ankle was just dangling in the wind and and then you know the fans fell in love with some tough guy runs off the field with a snapped ankle or whatever well I get back for Georgia and Alabama I had surgery of plate and eight screws um again um have two really good games against Georgia and Alabama but but we lose mm-hmm. Bowden gets fired you know <clears throat> world's kind of flipped upside down Tupperville comes in doesn't like my style of play and I, I barely play my sophomore year uh, junior year, sit behind Rudy Johnson. Um, and then by God's grace, I'm the first fullback drafted in that 2001 draft. Uh, I was able to do enough to kind of display the talents God has given me to get drafted. I think my, my, my favorite story, um, whew, there's, there's a, a few of them. <laughs> Most of them involve food from the motorhome club after a game. <laughs> there you <laughs> but go. I, but, I, but I won't, I won't <laughs> go there. I, listen, my, my sophomore year, <clears throat> I was on the bus 
um, to the Arkansas game. We were in Arkansas. I had sat, I hadn't played. Matter of fact, the only I, I had been moved the defensive line my sophomore year as a 235, 240 pound running back moved the defensive line in the SEC because Tupperville thought that was a good idea. It's a conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> but I hadn't played, hadn't played running back, hadn't really done anything. And we're down, I think, 31 to nothing in Arkansas. And we've just gotten smoked. We couldn't run the ball all year. And um, I get thrown in the game at the start of the fourth quarter or maybe right there at the end of the third quarter, um, end up having, you know, I think 80-plus yards rushing and a touchdown. But the bus ride to that game, I remember crying that day. I had worked so hard to get to college ball, to get to Auburn, and to kind of feel like you were having your dreams just ripped away from you. You know, like we, we I mean, listen, I loved Rusty Williams and, and Clifton. We had, we had some good athletes, but they just weren't getting it done, you know, running the ball. And, and I knew and I had proven that I could do better, just wasn't getting the opportunity. I remember being on that bus ride, literally crying. You know, I was a 19-year-old kid. Um, crying my eyes out before God. I'm like, God, I don't even want this dream anymore. Just take it, you know? And that day, that afternoon, he kind of thrust me back into um, the spotlight. And, and so often it's kind of when we'll just give God back what he's given us, take our fingerprints off it, whether it's a, a struggling marriage, maybe it's our parenting, maybe it's our business, whatever it is, so often in his great grace, <clears throat> He will just turn around and give it right back in something sweeter and better packaged. That's for our benefit, you know. And then I got to finish the year out at um, tailback. You know, we played UCF the next week. Uh, Dante Culpepper, they were a top 10 team. We beat them in Jordan Hare. Uh, Georgia, we go between the hedges. Um, they're a top five team. Um, we beat the brakes off them. I have another great game. Uh, we play uh, Alabama, Sean Alexander, senior year. Uh, we're up 17 to three at halftime. And I had 80 plus yards rushing in the first half. Somehow we lost that game. That's Tupperville's fault for not giving me the ball <laughs> in the second half. But that story of how God just kind of gave me my career back at that point is probably the, the sweetest one. That's awesome. Well, War Eagle and God bless to that. That's uh, that's really cool hearing you tell that story. And it, it so that scenario that just piqued a question in my mind that I'd love to ask you. So when you're sitting there on the bus, and you're seeing like all, like you said, you, you had this dream since you were four years old and yeah. you're probably thinking back, man, I put all these hours, all these years of time and sweat and effort into this dream and the rug is being pulled out from under me and you're talking to God. Was there, or have you, it may, maybe it was that instance, maybe it's another one, but have you ever been mad at God? Like, have you ever had that moment where you're just like, bro, what the heck? Come on. And cause, and I asked that because I would love to hear you answer that for the guy who may be out there and, and, you know, maybe he's had a tough time this past year. I mean, COVID changed the world in a lot of different ways and changed circumstances for people. People are, you know, there's been loss of, of wealth. There's been loss of health. There's been loss of life. There's been loss of freedom. There's been loss of a known way of life. And I think that's maybe posed a lot of just challenges for people. And they're probably, there's probably some people sitting here with that sentiment on their heart. So I, I asked that question with the phrasing of, Maybe you could answer that question thinking about that person in mind. I have this wall next to me. I know everyone comes out on podcast. I love the fact that you just got a brick wall. I need to get a brick wall. <laughs> but, you know, people out there, jerseys and, and all this stuff. I always want the focal point of everything I say from this day forward. These white walls are purposeful. I just want people to hear what God does and who he is. But on this wall here, I'm going to try to just, 
I'm going to, I'm going to twist this camera this way. You can see all these sticky notes. All right. So oh, yeah. these are, these are all verses, all things that God's done and, and been brought to mind. Um, the answer is yes. I, I have been mad at God. I didn't know it though. I, I had so much head knowledge that God is good and that God is gracious and God is, God is, God is, God is. And it's all true. But I also had a, a full understanding of all the attributes of God that I did not know. Um, Amos 3, 6 says, and we're getting ready to travel into some deep waters, but this is the only hope that men and women have this day and age through COVID, um, through a divorce, through the loss of a job, through gaining great wealth. Whatever it may be is that we have to understand that God is absolutely sovereignly in full control. Amos 3, 6 says, does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? We so often divide good and bad. Oh, good is all God. Bad, that's all Satan, or that's just human whatever. And, and we give, we, 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 we disrespect the rightful authority of God over everything. There is such a, a balance in scripture of human responsibility and human will, which is an absolute truth. And then there's this overarching theme that is just undeniable from Genesis to Revelation that God is just in absolutely perfect control. Is God evil? Absolutely not. Does he do evil? Absolutely not. But there's this plan that he's put together individually because he's an intimate God, but also collectively for the world that his plans will prevail. We see it laced throughout scripture. In 2009 with the saints, um, I was in year nine and uh, um, I was in the middle of my best year as a pro. Um, my four years in New England were great years. Belichick always listed me as a tailback and not a fullback because they didn't really carry a fullback. So I never really had an opportunity to go to a Pro Bowl because I was definitely not a Pro Bowl tailback. But I was a Pro Bowl fullback, but I just wasn't listed as a fullback most of those years in New England. And so I get to New Orleans and, you know, we're, we're entering in um, game six against the Miami Dolphins. I've got three touchdowns already. We are the, the number one running team in the, in the league, and we are the number one passing team in the league. We were unstoppable, and I was getting to display all the talents that God has given me. And I thought I was in a really, really sweet spot of life with God. I felt like my, my faith was really flourishing in a lot of ways. Well, I blew my knee out, and that was week six. <clears throat> um, you know, a week later or two weeks later, the Mid-season All-Pro team comes out, and I'm mid-season All-Pro at fullback, and then I end up going on IR. My team goes to the Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl without me, which I was thrilled and kind of bitter at the same time. Of course, I'm happy for the city, happy for Drew and Sean and all these guys that I loved and I would do anything for, but sitting on the sideline stewing over, man, I wanted to be on that field, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I'd also been in a just a hard marriage for nine-plus years at that time. And because of the discipline I'd been raised under, I had done everything kind of obediently well. Perfect? No. But listen, everyone that's been married knows that there are just two imperfect people trying to figure it out together. We all fall short. We say dumb things. We can be unforgiving. We, 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 we just, we just, we're just sinful people. But from the outside looking in, I had been a great husband for nine years. And, um, and even my, my ex-wife would have said that. And, and she has. <laughs> um, but between God allowing me and purposing me to get injured in a hard marriage, it took two years, but I got very bitter at God and very bitter at my ex-wife. And for five months, I walked out of my marriage. 
And by God's grace, he gave me the ability to um, confess those sins to my ex-wife um, in hopes that we would save and salvage the marriage. That wasn't the case. But my bitterness with God, I didn't realize it because my head knowledge was so strong of what I thought I understood about this word. But I didn't know God. I didn't know him intimately. He had never saved my soul. He had never given me eyes to see him, um, ears to hear him. He had never given me a heart that trusts him no matter what. And so now, you know, when COVID came, March of 2020, I didn't even bat an eye. <laughs> and I was kind of rebuilding after an NFL network debacle that was very unfair. But God used that to, to save me. Before NFL network you know, it's a story for another day, or maybe we can go there. Um, before that was sovereignly allowed by God, I was not a child of God. And through great distress and great hardship, um, God saved my soul. And so as tough seasons come along and rebuilding a career and re rebuilding a life to continue to provide for my family, COVID comes along and I'm like, this is nothing. Because Amos 3.6 says, this disaster that's touching me, my God sent it. And then guess what? You know, Romans tells me, oh, if this is touching me, it's for God's glory and it's for my good. And so I can go verse for verse through book through book and just see the testimonies of God's sovereign grace and mercy in his kids' lives when they trust him and when they see and know that he's truly in control. And so to answer a long-winded question, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was bitter with God and I have been angry at God. Um, and outside of God's grace, it would have not only cost me my, my marriage and um, an awesome job at, at NFL Network and so many other things, um, but he used that debacle to, to years later save my soul. And I'm, and I'm grateful for every challenge. I'm grateful for every hardship. Uh, I'm grateful for every um, dire step of faith that he requires me to take because it just leads me closer to him. I appreciate you sharing that, Heath. I mean, that's it's unbelievable. And it's so cool to hear, I guess, you, you really dive into, you know, I mean, the, the God of the mountains, the God of the valley, and um, and really just understanding that. And that the perspective that that can have for, I mean, I, I can tell you, I similarly, and, you know, just I try to bring that same perspective. And that's something that you have really challenged me and just me following you. Something that it's in the same vein, but not utilize not listening to God as like a tool to get what I want, but rather being submissive to whatever's happening is supposed to be happening and trusting yeah. in his sovereignty and not pursuing my own. And it's a fine line. And it's, it's been something that I've really been unpacking in my brain, even, I mean, very recently up into the last couple of weeks, but I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have started having those revelations have had you not really start, you know, sharing all the things that you share on social media. So, you know, from that story to what you share, I mean, thank you so much for being willing. I mean, this goes back to what we led into at the beginning. I mean, being willing to hear the truth and tell the truth as, as it's written. Amen. Amen. I mean, further on in that Ephesians 2, it talks about <clears throat> by grace, we have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing so that no man can boast. This, this saving grace of God is about us realizing what a debacle we are personally. Every story of scripture points us to, oh my gosh, I can find myself in Abraham. I've lied multiple times. Abram's lying, giving his wife away because he's a coward. You know, we can find ourselves in David. Um, you know, he's supposed to be out at war with his men, but he's home chilling, finds himself in the midst of adultery and then murder. I mean, Samson, 
he, Samson couldn't do anything right until the <laughs> end when he repents. You know, so all these stories, they're, they're all about our great need for a great God. And then if, if we truly believe what we say we believe about God, and as Christian men, our life is supposed to be conformed to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Well, was his life easy? Was it full of worldly blessings? No, it was really the opposite. Now, what was his eternal reward? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. What is our eternal reward? We are brothers of Christ. We are heirs. We, we are children of God. Not cho- We are chosen. We are adopted. We are redeemed. We are ransomed. All this work of God that he does, how, how, <laughs> how should we just honor him and give our lives realizing that this isn't by my works. This is all by God's great grace that he has saved me. I have no place to boast other than boasting in God. And that's what Jesus did his whole life. It cost him his life. And then when he laid down his life, his life got raised up. And that is the same promise. I shared it with our Built Ready men last night. We are promised a blessed life. That blessed life is in this life and the life to come. Look no further than the life of Christ. He experienced great blessings and hardships on this earth. But there is but nothing but great blessings where he is seated now. And that's where God's true children are going to go. But we will have hardships. We will have struggles. And he will send great storms our way. I can promise you that. Amen. Uh, you mentioned Bill Ready. Tell yeah. us about Bill Ready, man. Listen, there, I, I, um, I always make it so clear off the top. We're selling nothing. There's no fee. Um, there's nothing to buy. Um, there is no upsell. There is no backdoor agenda. Um, about, I guess it's been nine months ago, we used to have a small fee because there's a cost to running an app and, you know, building workouts and all that stuff. And I, I started to see more, um, I'm going to air quote it and not in judgment, just because men's mouth don't back up to what this scripture say. So many Christian influencers um, pushing programs, trying to pimp the name of Jesus and all their messaging. I can't find in this, in this word. And so I asked Chrissy, I said, babe, can we just, I think we're supposed to make built ready free and just trust God to fuel it and fund it and grow it and everything else. <clears throat> and so um, it's a place for free workouts. It's a place for uh, free daily Bible reading plans. Um, there's a free Thursday night Bible study. Uh, there's a free app where we can connect with guys all over the country. Um, inside the app is the workouts every day. There's multiple different levels of workouts. Um, there's a prayer group. There's accountability group. There's the ability to direct message guys one-on-one. You and I could be kind of keeping um, each other accountable. I don't ever recommend guys um, keeping secrets on any realm from their wives. I feel like if we're going to start with transparency, we have to start with transparency with our wives. Sometimes guys are involved in such heavy sin that they need to start with a one-on-one transparency from guy to guy to for God to kind of build their faith and move into obedience where they can confess things to their wife. And so we, we have, we've tried to create a platform where guys are free to be free. I don't ever use the word or the term safe space just because I freaking hate it, but but it's a place for guys to be fully honest. Mm -hmm. Here's where I'm struggling. Is it alcohol? Is it sexual immorality? Is it just fear? Am I eating up with anxiousness because COVID shut down my whole business and I've got no way to feed my family, whatever it is. um, That's what we've tried to create. And so um, 
It's free. BuiltReady.com. Um, give your email. Everything else, the email will be sent back to you. All the instructions are there. Um, we just need um, men need to be around men. Men need to be encouraged, rebuked, uh, challenged, exhorted, just like Paul did, just like Timothy. I mean, you name it. The studs in the Bible, they were doing what we're trying to create at Built Ready. I'll add this and then I'll shut up. Built Ready is not a replace for church. We, we are not the local church. Um, we are um, a ministry tool that I believe God's just going to use to disciple men. Uh, but men, we need to be in church. We need to be in a local church, a local Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church uh, that preaches the word of God, not just takes a verse here or a verse there and runs with a whole bunch of nonsense that you can't find in scripture. Um, but we're just trying to lead people, lead men to the love of God and the truth of God that will help them master their manhood in every way. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's so cool. Like I'm so excited about what you're doing, pouring into men. And it's so cool to look back now. Um, and to, you mentioned the falling out with NFL network, right. And how I know, like, I can just, I can't even really begin to empathize how painful that was and how gut wrenching all that whole unfolding was, but to sit here now and to think that this may not be happening, had that not happened. Um, it's just, I mean, it's tie that back into what you were just talking about sovereignty of God. God's with you in the bottom. There's no doubt about it. It is, you know, that is his will as well. Um, so I, I want to transition a little bit now. Um, so you mentioned you, you had a, you had a first marriage that fell through and, but now you're happily remarried. I would love to talk about your marriage with Chrissy. Can you tell us a little bit about how you guys met and, uh, maybe what stood out to you about her? Cause if I remember correctly, you guys didn't date for too long before you got engaged. Did you? We, we didn't. Um, it was, <laughs> but God being rich in mercy. Um, my, my youngest daughter, Naomi, um, oh, she's so beautiful. She's built like her dad. I mean, she, she's just, she's got the, a, a beautiful face like her mom. Um, but she's just, just always kind of been a bigger girl. And so, uh, having a split home, <clears throat> um, eating rules and disciplines in my home, very, very different than that of her mother's. Um, there's been this health battle, um, to um, keep her consistently on the right path, you know? And so um, as she got older, it was tough for me to be daddy and lover of her soul and coach and nutrition health coach and all these other things. And mm -hmm. people are always like, Heath, you're going to give her a complex. I'm like, I'd much rather have her have a complex of her dad loves her and wanted to discipline her and help train her to spare her from other health consequences then maybe she's like, oh, you know, my dad was obsessed with whatever else. I just trusted God to kind of work out the details of letting her see and feel and hear my heart for her. Well, frustrating battle, you know, back and forth from homes. Um, it, it was it was frustrating for me. I like performance. I like to do things well. <laughs> I constantly fall short. Um, but one night, a buddy of, of mine, a mutual follower of Chrissy's, um, had reposted something of mine. She saw it. She liked it. I just see weight loss hero come up on my Instagram screen as I'm out walking the dog. I'm like weight loss hero. Let me, let me click on that. So then I see a young lady's face, but I see John three 30. Now, you know, in our day of social media, uh, I'm not judging anyone. I'm just calling a spade a spade. You got girls with like John three 16 or a Bible verse on them. And then they're dressed in bikinis showing off their body looking like, you know, Jezebel in the Bible. But anyway, I digress. So I see John 3.30. He must increase. 
I must decrease. I'm like, all right, it's a little different. So I'm like, what is weight loss hero? I check out what this is. I get on, you know, Instagram video and I'm like, hey, I just, uh, I found you. I have a 13 year old daughter. Can you help me? She messages me back. Um, Naomi actually meets with her the next day. They hit it off extremely well. And then, you know, we're married about four months later. Um, it is, um, it was God's gift through COVID. Um, it's been God's gift for Ava and Naomi in a lot of ways. Um, Chrissy softens my heart in such a way um, where my good intentions, she's so good at coming in like, hey, listen, message was great. Delivery needed to be dialed back a little bit. And she's so good at letting me be the ferocious man God made me to be um, and the passionate and truthful, but, but just massaging my rough edges with people, mm-hmm. with some of our built ready guys, um, with the girls. Um, and so it, it, she's just been such a, a great, great gift, you know, and um, truly thankful for God for giving me a, um, a righteous, humble, God fearing wife. That's awesome. Uh, that's such a, that's such a unique way to, uh, to, to meet somebody. That's so cool. That's, I mean, that's, that's yeah. awesome. Um, online, online dating through Instagram. Great. There we go. DMs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, that that's incredible. Um, so I'd love to hear your perspective on this. One of my favorite questions to ask is, you know, what, what your best piece of, uh, best piece of marriage advice is to anybody who's maybe, maybe, you know, could be somebody who's about to get married or somebody who's been married for a while. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the best piece of advice you could give somebody? Here's what I know about this. Um, when I'm in it every day, I can't harbor sin in my heart. And when I'm not, it gets easier and easier to, to leave unconfessed sin unconfessed. When I'm on my knees over there in the morning, early, early, early in the morning before anybody's up in this home, prayer is always going to lead me to confess sin or lack of prayer is, is always going to just, sin's going to stack. So intimate prayer time and intimate time studying God's word, those two things, sin can't coexist with those because this word will beat it out of me. And so marriage counseling is great. Learning what the Bible has to say about marriage, matter of factly important. But this Bible is alive and active. My God is not dead and his word is not dead. And so when I am hiding it away in my heart, when I am storing up his riches, which are in this word, when I'm short tempered with Chrissy, that Holy Spirit is going to be so present to convict me of that sin. And then because he's made me righteous, that, that conviction of sin will immediately turn to God. I'm sorry, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against my wife. And very quickly thereafter, will come an apology to my wife because I've wounded my wife. She's me. We're one and the same. I've wounded me unintentionally just being impatient with her. Um, whatever it may be, this word is a lamp unto our feet, but it's also a sword and it constantly is cutting crap out of my life that needs to be cut out. Um, there's no way to walk with God individually. There's no way to walk with your wife um, in a godly, intimate, God-honoring fashion if both partners are not in this word. Um, marriage is meant to be hard. It's meant to friction off our sinful rough edges. But in the, in the process of the friction, 
there's great beauty. And I have seen that now for um, going on 14 months with my bride, having nothing to do with me and nothing to do with her, but God's salvation planted us in our, in our hearts that we, we want to be in his word and we want to honor God. Um, and we want to deal with sin more ruthlessly than we want to have our own way in our, in our own hard hearts. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I appreciate you unpacking that. And, uh, so from ne- from here on, let's transition, talk about your, your girls a little bit. You mentioned you got two beautiful daughters. Can you, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about each one of them, what they're into, where they're at in life right now? Ooh, um, Ava is her daddy in so many ways. She is, uh, wants to be right about everything. Uh, most of the time she is, <laughs> she's too smart for her dad at times. Um, she, um, she's bold and she's ferocious, but she's 17. And so there's a lot to learn. Um, she is passionate about truth. Um, she has made, um, very hard decisions in the last year about walking away from friends. And she was basically the only one that saw it. And, um, these friends were dragging her down and we didn't know to what degree she took a lot of backlash from her own mom. She took backlash from her friends, parents. She took backlash really from everyone except for me and Chrissy. And she was spot on walking in truth. And she saw a storm coming that she knew she needed to separate herself from. And so God is speaking to her. He's using her. Um, she is fighting to be in his word every day. Um, she, if I was guessing, um, she probably will some way end up in to Christian counseling. Um, I think that is where her heart is going to be bent towards. <clears throat> she has a keen eye. Um, at eight or nine years old, her discernment was off the charts. She told me things about my own marriage with her mother that I did not see. She opened up my eyes to the truth and allowed me to better protect all of us. <laughs> Um, and I'm still blown away at nine years old, the things that she could discern and read into a certain situation. And I believe that will be a great gift for many people through God's grace to help set people free. Um, Naomi is, uh, she loves horses. Um, she is also like her dad. She loves to argue even when, even when she doesn't know the answer. And when she knows she's wrong, she still won't shut up at times, (laughs) um, She's compassionate. Um, she's on a little bit of a different track. You know, I think my own um, disastrous, sinful seasons have affected her. You know, um, where her mom is at right now, I think she just, uh, she feels a little torn over stuff that she's been told and stuff that she's been shown. And um, I'm proud of her for her honesty. Um, and she is, she just said, Dad, I don't, I don't want to. Um, I don't have a desire to, to live that Christian life. And, and honestly, I praised her for it because at 14, I wish I could have been as honest as she was at 14. Um, Cause a lot of times I was just so disciplined to do what I knew to do. And my heart was not in serving God. And so I'm believing that God's going to use this season <clears throat> to um, let her feel the, the weight of, of life without Christ and that she will bear the yoke while she's young and then God will do his miraculous work in saving her uh, at a young age. So hopefully she won't have to experience all the heavy handed consequences of sin that, that I have. 
So um, she is getting better at better every single day at riding these horses. Um, she loves being in Texas to ride these horses. Not a lot of horses in California. Um, so <laughs> we got a lot more land and a lot more horses here. Um, but Naomi, um, she is still the young lady, you know, at, at five years old, we were in new Orleans and they had just had all the, the earthquakes in Haiti. She opened up one toy on Christmas day. Um, and there was way too many other toys that had her name on them. And she literally, I might even cry, mention it, but she's like, dad, I just want to give all my other toys away to the kids in Haiti. And she would say Haiti. <laughs> and, um, she is, has a compassionate heart and it's just been, um, it's been broken by the sins of her father, um, and by the sins of her mother. And, um, but, uh, I believe God's got great things in store for her. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what she's got, but she's an absolute sweetheart. Keith, I'm going to ask another question about, uh, about your kids. Uh, it's, it's, I guess it's more about your legacy with your kids. So when I think about legacy, I think about, um, I, I think I, it leads me back a lot to how the people that I love the most here on earth are going to remember me. And I mm -hmm. think about, you know, my kids, like the moments, the lessons, the, the memory, just the experiences I'm going to leave them with that they're going to walk with the rest of their life. If, if God willing, I, I'm able to leave them here behind, uh, behind on earth. When you think about that, what do you want your girls to remember about their dad? Um, that no matter what it cost me, I, I stood for the word of the Lord. Um, Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 and 19. I find it very fitting that God closed his canon of scripture with such a relevant warning for today. And honestly, it's been a relevant warning for all of history. But it says this, Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Verse 20 says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. I read those hard verses because real men, real godly men and women need to defend this word, to defend the gospel. So many pastors, so many people are taking the hard things out, adding worldly views to them. And the word of God does not play around. His salvation is real. Um, his righteousness, his justice is real. And I want my girls to know, um, hey, my dad didn't get it all right. My dad gave God all the glory. Um, my dad was consistently confessing his sins because he knew his God was faithful and just to forgive his sins. Uh, but my dad stood for the truth of God's word, no matter what it cost him. And in Iran, um, this word will cost people their life today. In Afghanistan, it'll cost people their life today. And in America, it costs me nothing to stand up for this word. And I still falter at times. Um, but we need this word. We need God. We need salvation. We need forgiveness of sins. We need peace that passes all understanding. Um, and so I want Ava and Naomi to know that um, I'll give my life for the cause of Christ in the word of my father. End of story. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I mean, 
tie that right back into what we've been talking about this whole time. Tell the truth as it is, as it's written. And I'll, you know, just acknowledge you again. I've heard you talk about this exact same concept a lot on social media, and you are not scared to tell that truth and to share that message. And that's helped me and my wife find a, a local church here in Chattanooga that we've been able to, to fall in love with and feel at home with. And, and I, and, and the main reason is because they hang their hat on teaching the Bible as it's written. It's not an interpretation. It's the word as it's written. That's, right. that's made it a tremendous change and impact and difference in my life. So, um, I definitely want to acknowledge that what you're, what you're speaking to right there is, is so, it's just so impactful. You know, people, people you might not even know are listening are listening. So, um, I'll tell you that. Thank you very much. Well, and, and listen, I am scared at times. Um, I, 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 most of the stuff that people see pop up on social, I've been praying over and wrestling over for weeks. God, am I seeing this right? Am I hearing your voice right? God, am I, am I, am I adding to your word? Am I taking away from your word? Am I misrepresenting you to a world that desperately needs you? Um, but just like Paul wrote to the Galatians, like, you know, have I become your enemy and delivering you the truth? Like you, you can almost feel his heart of like, I love you so much. I have to deliver this, but wh where has your passion for the truth gone? And so I fear and fret just like you do, man. Um, but we have a great God that is, he's faithful when we are faithless and he has been faithful to this knucklehead. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I've got, uh, let's see, I've got one more question and this is going to be an, I think an interesting question and for the, you know, someone who is a believer in the way that you are, someone who speaks the truth in the way that you do and as humble as you are, you know, as, as a Christian. Um, but it's something I'm interested to hear what your answer would be. So thinking about how far, like everything you've accomplished in your life, Keith, everything that you've done, you know, you, you played college football at Auburn, you played in the NFL, you have a beautiful marriage and two beautiful daughters, and you're, you're pouring into to men and women now, you know, all across the country. What are you the most proud of um, in yourself to this point in your life? Nothing. I know it sounds probably fake, but those verses I read you in Ephesians, I believe them with all my heart that I was dead in my sins. And uh, I'm just grateful that God's grace gave me faith to declare his name, to believe in the one true God and his son. And uh, my brother, God, God has so shown me who I am without him. People always say, well, you always talk about Jesus. That's true. But even strip away God for a second. My work ethic came from my mom and dad. The fact that I got drafted to Seattle, I had, I had no control over that. I wanted to go to Florida State. They kind of screwed me over. I ended up at Auburn. You know, so having Bowden and Tupperville and uh, Rodney Allison and Jimbo Fisher and all these great coaches that I got to be, I had nothing to do with that. I look at playing for Bill Belichick. He, he picked me up after Nick Saban cut me. I can't take responsibility for that. You know, the Saints wanted me. The Saints come out, came after me. You know, I got my Super Bowl ring because they wanted me. I, I didn't, I had nothing to do with that. You know, Chrissy liked my photo on Instagram, <laughs> like someone else, like, <laughs> Every people always want to put their fingerprints all over stuff because we're prideful, arrogant jerks, men and women. 
And the stories of the Bible only point that out. There are no great men or women of scripture. There is just a great God. And every story just points to all the disastrous character flaws of all the people. And it points all to the beauty of God. And yet we want to read a story like David and Goliath. and like, yeah, I'm David. No, the truth is, yeah, you are. You're, you have a, an adulterous, murderous heart. You might not actually do the actions, but, but you're angry at people. You're hateful. You're unforgiving. You're resentful. You're a horrible dad in ways. All these things, but God being rich in mercy. That, that's where I'm living my life. And so, sure, I could, I could come up with some stuff that um, I'm, I'm somewhat proud of, but I'm most proud of my gracious merciful saving God. And that's just the truth. <laughs> well, amen to that brother. I mean, there's, there's no doubt uh, in, in my mind that you are, you know, stewarding the resources that have been given to you to the best of your abilities and, you know, vesseling that vision that God has for you in your life. And I'm just so proud we got to chat today, man. I followed you for a long time. And, uh, you know, like I said, grew up an Auburn fan. So I remember when you were on the planes, uh, you know, about 21, 22 years ago or something like that. And the you know, followed you from a distance for a while and then following you on Instagram more recently. And uh, man, it's just been, it's a, it's a dream come true to have you on the show. So I can't thank you enough for, for making the time uh, to make this happen and for, uh, and for sharing everything that you have today and for going deep with us. It, it means the world to me. And, uh, you know, I just pray that everybody else is listening and taking your words to heart as well. So Heath Evans, thank you, brother. I can't thank you enough. All right. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you, brother. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.